Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Good News with Angie Austin. Now, with the Good News, here's Angie. Hey friend, Angie Austin here with the Good News. Joined by Tom Lutz. He is the author of Equipping Christians for Kingdom Purpose in Their Work. I love the idea of this. I've been trying to get an interview with uh, Tom for quite some time. Really excited to learn more about him and his work. It's a guide for all who make disciples. Welcome to you, Tom. Hey, I'm excited to be here. All right, so tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll dive into the book. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm, uh, I'm a little bit of an odd bird, I, you would imagine. Uh, as a young man, I was um, raised in a believing family. Mom and Dad would read the Bible to us and Bible stories. And uh, about time of young life, I got uh, engaged in, with my faith in a more reliable way, I guess. Uh, and at the time, I had a lot of people say to me, people I respected, if you want to trust God, if you want to serve God, you'll become a pastor. Uh, and so I, I heard that enough. And a part of it is I think I'm, I'm not shy. I'm comfortable being up front. So I, I kind of got pushed that direction, went and got a degree in Greek and Latin and graduate and then went on to graduate school and got my master's of divinity. And, uh, then I actually, because I've got so much invested, I became a pastor. Uh, and, and helped to start an inner city church in the city of Baltimore. Uh, and I figured, I never really had a sense that I was called to to be a minister, but I figured if I was going to do it, it would be an adventure. And so we moved into a predominantly African-American neighborhood um, and uh, were there for about seven or eight years. During that time, a group of friends were starting a, a business and they invited me to come in and be a partner with them. Uh, and they said they could afford, they would pay me uh, because the, the couldn't afford to pay me very much. Uh, and so there began an adventure. And after a very brief time in the market, after a very brief time in the market, I felt God saying to me, this is where you belong. Uh, so I tell pastor friends. So I told after um, a period of time, I said to my uh, pastor friends, God called me to the ministry after years as a pastor. And so I'm bilingual. I speak both pastor, I speak business guy. And that kind of translates, I think you'll see into the book, uh, as a um, uh, kind of a unique perspective on reading and teaching the scriptures. It's interesting. So you you pastor, you're at an inner city church, um, you're really getting that going for seven years, and then now you coach marketplace leaders as a convened CEO roundtable chair and through your consulting company, Vision Planners. So I do. <laughs> so you are pastoring to business people, I think, which is a group that probably doesn't get as much pastoring as it needs. Yeah, uh, uh, granted, it's... Um, because of my bilingual background, uh, you know, the business, for what it's worth, that I started while I was at the church grew to have 1,800 employees in 18 countries. Wow. Uh, and we sold it. We sold it back in the year 2000. So I, I, I say I'm bilingual. I tell people I, I, if I can walk into a room of, of pastors, I have credibility because of my church background. If I walk into a, a, a group of business leaders, I have credibility because of my background there. Um, and I think I've learned... Uh, it, when I'm discipling or teaching or preaching sermons or what have you, I've learned to think about the Bible 
uh, maybe to illustrate and apply the teaching of the Bible in ways that's not typical for a pastor because of that extensive experience in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I don't want to um, uh, uh, not give credit where credit's due as well. I mentioned you're the author, but also you have a co-author in the book, Heidi Unruh. So it's Tom Absolutely. Lutz and Heidi Unruh. Yeah, Hi- Heidi is uh, is just a, a very much a co-laborer in this work and uh, very much a part of what uh, the, the end product. All right. So let's talk about um, the book. Uh, you, yeah. you, you kind of give us the lowdown on basic. And I love the idea um you know, finding kingdom kingdom purpose in your work because you really can uh, mentor people and steer people and, you know, walk like the Lord in your place of work. Uh, So give us the basics of why you wrote this and what the premise is. Yeah, so uh, it came out of an experience I had. So I've I've been uh, part of the the faith and work movement for a long time. I've attended conferences. I've spoken at conferences. Uh, you know, back in the 80s, <clears throat> excuse me, there was a book called Your Work Matters to God, which kind of got everybody thinking about, well, maybe there is a calling beyond what happens at church. Uh, but I, I'd been involved in that kind of movement for 20 years, and I was at a conference, and I, I literally heard the Lord say to me, you know, kind of in a, a non-audible voice, um, hey, you're in the same place you've been for 20 years with the same group of people. And then I heard this voice. It said, uh, until every Sunday from every pulpit, every sermon is illustrated from and applied to the workplace. The work is not done. And I just I just began to think, you know, you're right. Until we 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 have to educate our disciples about how to talk to people about the work that they do outside the church, because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, uh, 90% 90% of us, 95% of the church members are actually called to spend 50 hours a week somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Could be could be um, uh, an unpaid role of caring for aging parents or children. Uh, it might be as a CEO. It might be as a trash collector. But every one of us is called to do that. Uh, and the disciples' job, I think, scripturally— is not to disciple them to do what I'm called to do. It's to disciple them to do what they're called to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we lay out, you know, after 40 years of experience of doing just that, uh, I kind of lay out in the book, here's, here's some really practical suggestions about how to change the way you disciple away from what I call a church-centric perspective to what I call an image-bearer perspective. Well, you talk about, so let's break that down a little. You talk about uh, the workplace not being off limits for sharing one's faith. Um, obviously, sure. there are some uh, op- obstacles. So what do you mean by an image bearer, and how, how is this important? Yeah, so if you think about, you know, in, when God created the world, so you'll read the first two chapters of Genesis, the story of whether you believe it's a day or a period, I'm not going to quibble, um, you know, but so let's call it day or period one. He makes something day or period two. He makes three, four, and five. At the end of each of those, uh, he looks at what he'd done and he said, "This is good." The Hebrew word "tov." This is good. Um, on the sixth day, he creates the image bearer, Adam and Eve, in his image and according to his likeness. And after they're created, he gives them a series of commands, which I'll explain in a minute. And after those commands, he says, now it is very good. 
So there's this sense that God had been moving in a direction with his creative work, but that he, he, a central piece of it becoming all that he wanted it to be required this co-laborer called the image bearer. So he puts Adam and Eve in the garden and basically gives them three instructions. Instruction number one is this place is empty. I want you to hear the word create abundance. We often hear the word fill as if having babies was the totality of the command, but it's create abundance. I put seed in the ground, make that produce a hundredfold. Uh, you know, take that seed and water it and weed it, grind it, fix it up, mix it with other ingredients, put it on uh, in the oven, bake it, put it in a wrapper, send it off to Kroger, put it on the shelves so that everybody in the world uh, has an abundance of bread. That's, that's instruction number one. Instruction number two uh, is this world has infinite potential placed in it by an infinite God. Therefore, I want you to cultivate that potential. Uh, and if you think about that alone, uh, into eternity, because heaven and earth, will, we know from Revelation 20 and 22, will be here on this physical earth. Trillions of years from now, Angie, listen to me say this, trillions of years from now, we will never have exhausted all of the potential that God has placed in this marvelous world wow. that he created and that he loves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third one, and this always kind of makes people say, whoa, it's dangerous and incomplete. This world is dangerous and incomplete. I want you to subdue it. So we've got to wrestle the power of wind, wrestle the power of electricity, wrestle the power of water, all to create a flourishing society. And so the image bearer's job in totality is to uh, take this beautiful potential in a world that God loves intimately uh, and as his co-workers to make it a place where where, uh, you know, prosperity occurs, and then on into eternity, more beautifully, absent sin and absent the curse, that's what we'll do into eternity. We will continue to do those three works, to create abundance, to cultivate infinite potential, and to continue to wrestle the powers in this world for the benefit of mankind. Now, when you talk about, um, again, if you're just joining us, uh, Thomas Lutz, Tom Lutz, equipping Christians for kingdom purpose in their work. Many people, as you know, um, are afraid to share their faith. And uh, I, I guess leading by example can be the way that they do it, because you mentioned sure. that most of what we learn is observed. So people are watching mm-hmm. us, especially if they know mm-hmm. we're Christians. But what, what, how do you get people to share their faith at work work if they feel they're ill-equipped to do so any advice sure. on how we can be uh, that person at work that people turn to when they are going through something in their life and they feel they need a friend yep. who is a christian absolutely yeah so we talk about that in the book um and i think about it this way so the next step on the image bearer concept is everybody uh has uh an important role and so the first question of discipling i ask is what would happen? It's, it's who are you? And the answer is you're an image bearer. And so the question is, what would happen if nobody did what you do? Uh, and I've talked to thousands of people on that question. And I've talked to trash collectors. Uh, and trash collectors go, whoa, we'd all be dead. So is trash collecting an important part of, of, of what God wants done? The answer is absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we begin to see people's work as a mosaic. Uh, every part uh, that it takes for the world to flourish, someone is called to do. Mm-hmm. 
And so then my advice to them is do it in such a way as to make Jesus attractive, and you won't have to worry about evangelizing. They will come knock on your door. You know, I'm amazed at the way you raise your family, uh, keep your room clean, uh, keep your garden, uh, you know, deal with your customer service calls. Uh, as people observe, they'll do naturally what Peter suggests uh, in chapter three when he says, uh, set apart Christ as Lord in your heart and be prepared to give an answer to those who um, come and ask you to explain the hope that's in you. Uh, I'm, I don't know about you. You, you may be more of an uh, extrovert uh, evangelist. I'm not. I'm, a, I'm an introvert at heart. Uh, and uh, I find it much easier to share my faith with someone who's come to me and said, hey, I, I find this aspect of your life attractive. Can you tell me about it? Because by that point, they're already saying they want my Jesus. And so I can say, well, I do. I, you know, I live that way or we make those choices because of, you know, I'm, I'm a Jesus follower. But they've already expressed an interest. You understand? In other words, I don't have to trick them into interest in Jesus. They've already found it attractive. All I need to do is explain the reason for the hope that I have. And I think it's a very powerful um, a, a method, if you will, for evangelizing. It works very well in the marketplace where sometimes we're discouraged from overtly raising the topic, especially with people who work for us. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they've, if they've come and asked you about an explanation, uh, you're typically free to answer their questions. Yeah, and uh, disclose it to a boss as well. Very difficult. Um, We're going to take a break. This is the good news. Angie Austin speaking Mm -hmm. with Tom Lutz, the co-author of the book, Equipping Christians for Kingdom Purpose and Their Work. We'll be right back. Northland is listening to the mighty 670 KLT. This spring, visit your local ARC instead of the dumpster. When you find items that you no longer want or need, don't throw them in the garbage. You could be donating all of those used items to help people with disabilities, specifically in your local community. Your donation helps disabled people of all ages to benefit from special education assistance through the ARC University program. It offers a variety of classes like Spanish, social media safety, fitness, and more. Make a mental note to throw that bag in your car and not the trash. Not only does your donation free up space in your home, but it also helps free up space in the landfills. And at the end of the day, you'll know you contributed to your local community. When you start your spring cleaning this season, help people with disabilities and keep trash out of the environment at the same time. Donate to ARC Thrift Stores, where what would have been trash becomes treasure. Visit www.arcthrift.com for hours and directions. Angie Austin, hey there, friend. Speaking with Tom Lutz, he is the co-author of the book Equipping Christians for Kingdom Purpose in Their Work, A Guide for All Who Would Make Disciples. And you were just talking, Tom, about people having the courage in their work to be able to speak about their faith or to encourage others. And I think about this guy that I interviewed uh, several years back. His name is Charles Clark. He's a janitor in Texas Mm. at a high school, at Trinity High School. And when he he started the job, Tom, he uh, said, well, you know, it's okay, you know, I'll I'll do it for a few months and try to find something better. And uh, he said his dad taught him, if you're going to do a job, you better do the absolute best job. And he said, if you sit on one, of my, toil- on one of my toilets, it's the cleanest toilet that you've ever uh, sat upon. Amen. 
Amen. And so it reminded me a little bit of what you're talking about, about being able to uh, be a disciple in your workplace. And this man Perfect over the example. last, he said, now I think it's over 30 years he's been at Trinity. He now on Father's Day gets so many cards from young men and calls, although he does not have any of his own children, because over the years they have made him pretty much the custodian slash counselor of high risk uh-huh. troubled young men who don't have a, a, a father figure and or um, mm. someone that really loves them. And he said, once they know you love them, and that you're not looking for anything, and you just, you love them, then he's like, you got them. Like, is there, now they're going to believe you. They, <clears throat> they, they, it, it, and he has gotten so mm-hmm. many young men who are headed towards jail, into college, into good careers, you know, off the bad track. It mm-hmm. is mind-blowing mm-hmm. how many, he has so many awards that he said he doesn't have room on the walls of his home for the awards. So <laughs> here he was, the Trinity High School janitor, and now he's yeah. a man who's changed possibly more lives than any of the teachers or counselors in the building. So I just thought he might be a good example for me too. Well, there's, I mean, there is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, in, in our world's view, a janitor, really, you know, is that important? Well, he understood that that was a calling that God had placed on his heart. Uh, and he was the best he could be. Um, and, and you don't have to evangelize when people are flocking to you. Right. When they're flocking to you, they want what you've got. Uh, That isn't even that isn't even evangelism. It's merely sharing why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I had. um, Go ahead. Go ahead. I just every time Uh, I I, I, he's just one of the people that of my 25 years of interviewing people, he uh, he he really stands out. He could have gotten out of the janitorial biz, but he figured that was part of his way to get close to these kids more so than anybody else because he's in the lunchroom, he's in the hallways, he's sure. really able to engage these kids, so he's kind of yeah. uh, kept up like a twofold uh, career per se. Yeah, that's interesting. There's a famous story about John Kennedy going to what was then called Cape Canaveral mm-hmm. when he had challenged the United States to put a man on the moon, and he, he met a man who was a janitor, and he said to him, and so, sir, what do you do here? He says, I helped to put a man on the moon, hmm. you know, and it just so. So it's not a question, blue collar, non blue collar, whatever the, the, the significance of one's worth, the uh, honor of one's calling uh, has little to do with what it is and everything to do with understanding that God has placed you there. And that's why that's what we call kingdom purpose. That's why we wrote the book. You know, um, Thomas Lutz, uh, speaking to us about um, equipping Christians for kingdom purpose in their work, I think about, you know, as a news anchor and weather woman that, uh, you know, it, oh gosh, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3.30 in the morning, I'd be in the makeup room. And it was interesting uh-huh. to me how many people would find me in there who just needed to chat with someone that they felt mm-hmm. might be able to offer them, uh, you know, a, a, a caring ear because they knew I was right. a Christian and they would come in when something bad was generally happening in their lives and I found it interesting right. that the makeup room became my area to counsel yeah, it was people. your area where, where again again they were attracted to something about your life uh, and I mentioned that we, when we sold CMD it had uh, 1800 employees and I don't have hard stats on this but guesstimate about at least half of them were believers and at least half of those believers had become believers after coming to work for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we as a leader team had an unwritten rule that we would never initiate a gospel presentation. Not that that's right or, or that it's wrong to do so. I have 
companies that I coach who, when the day you're employed, they sit down and they, they share the gospel with you. Perfectly fine. We had just made a different decision. We didn't want people to feel like if you go to church with Tom, you're going to get a promotion. And so we did. We never initiated that conversation. But yet, uh, time after time after time, making Jesus attractive, the winsome way uh, that we tried to run the culture, the way we treated our employees, the benefits that we provided, created an, an interest on their parts. And they would frequently come ask, tell me about, this is a different company. Tell me about why it is. And by then, they've already said, I want what you've got. Just explain it to me, and I'll accept Jesus, uh, is what it, what it boils down to. I, I love the idea that half of the employees were Christians, but half of those, so maybe 25%, had become uh, born-again Christians while working at your company. I think about producer Dave, my producer of many years on mm-hmm. The Good News, and a lot of the people that come in on The Good News, we have this group called The Good News Gals. It's like my posse, and there's a couple of guys in there who <laughs> laugh, but um, right. there are a few, couple of Good News guy gals, but... Um, our producer, Dave, you know, probably around 30 when he started. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is the worst producer I've ever had because he's (laughs) so not interested in what we're talking about. He's so bored. He thinks we're a bunch of dowdy Christian women with sensible shoes and no sense of humor. And he's just like, (laughs) you know, staring at his cell phone and chewing on his nails Mm -hmm. as he's trying to just grin and bear it to get through the program. Well, Mm -hmm. I would say Mm -hmm. probably within my guess is within about six months, not only was he engaged, he was so in love with this group of women. Like it was like six extra right. moms. Yeah. And yep, he yep, just, sure. he still will text me and say, I, I miss the good news gals and I love you. And thanks for all you did for me when I worked there. His son ended up getting a form, a young son at four, four years old, ended up getting a form of cancer that later on, oh, you know, my. I mean, we would surround him with prayer and really help him get through that time and just let him know that we were there for him. Well, the doctor even uh, described it as a miracle that this kid just oh, ended wow. up with no cancer. And like the mm. cure was so mm. quick and easy and just kind of mind blowing that you know, even the doctor was like, I can't really explain this. Now, we're not taking credit for that. What I'm taking credit for mm-hmm. is being an example to a young man who was not yeah. a Christian when he started working right. for us and who dove right in and was in 100% within, I'd say, about six months. And he ended up being my favorite producer because his love for us was so transparent that he just loved yeah, this group of great. women that between 40 and almost 80. You know, it was pretty cool. Yeah, so sure. that, Well, that's, that, that's exactly what I'm... Exactly what I'm talking about. It's interesting. The Barna organization, which does, it's like Gallup, but for Christian issues, uh, published a book last year. I taught at my uh, a doctoral program I'm teaching at at my seminary. Uh, it's called Christians at Work. And in there, they did research about what, how many, what percentage of Christians in the pews really understand the relationship between their faith and their work. And they come up with a number that says 27%. So these are people who have been discipled, according to the suggestions in, in our book, uh, around understanding what their kingdom purpose is for their work. But it was interesting that Barna found out <clears throat> uh, these Christians, these 27%, are more likely to attend your church, are more likely to be active in leading programs in your church, uh, are more likely to give an above-average amount. And number four, this is the kicker, are more likely to share their faith in the marketplace than the other groups, which he calls onlookers or I forget the third category. But it's saying that if so, if you're a pastor and you want people to attend more, you want people to 
um, uh, lead your programs more. You want them to um, uh, give more. And most importantly, if you want them to share their faith in the marketplace, following the suggestions we make in, in, in equipping people for kingdom purpose will deliver those kind of saints into your church. I just I love the idea of being able to walk the talk and not leave your faith in the pew, you know, like um, to right. actually bring your faith into your life, which I think is what we're supposed to do. But as you mentioned, some of us are more open to doing that than others. And also, depending on where you're working, like when I worked at NBC in Los Angeles, I always wore my cross every time I did the news or the weather. There you go. And mm-hmm. um, the GM eventually, I'd say about maybe 10 years into me being there, told my boss, my news director, to tell me that I couldn't wear my crucifix anymore, which it, it wasn't uh-huh. a crucifix. It was just a, right, a plain right. old, you know, cross. But for me, it was important because I wore it every day. Um, I, I didn't right. stay there that much longer. Um, to me, I wasn't really shoving my faith on anyone. I was more identifying myself as a Christian. Right. I'm not right. saying, like, I want you to be or you need to be to be my friend or to be my viewer. Um, it was kind of just part of my personality. And mm-hmm. so depending on, you know, mm-hmm. where you work, I wasn't allowed to talk about Jesus. We weren't really even supposed to say like, you know, oh, we'll pray for you or anything on the air that would uh, right. make people insinuate that we're Christians. Um, I remember one time I did kind of get to say Jesus because there was a Cheeto shape shape like Jesus and it was called Jesus. And so we got to talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. So we had a new way to get around it. Yes, we had a new story about the Jesus Cheeto called Jesus, and so that was about the only time I ever remember being able to, you know, say anything close to the word on the air. I know maybe that's changed now. You know, I've been doing radio for ten years, so. Oh, I think if anything, it's probably gone the other direction. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't. And I did. I do remember telling my bosses who at the time, my last bosses in TV, they were definitely not Christians, like maybe even disliked Christians. So when I brought it up, I did. That's pretty common out there now. Yeah. Our our weatherman, he worked seven days a week. um, Our backup weatherman, he did traffic during the week. And then on the weekends, he did uh, weather. And I remember you know, he never took time off. He didn't take, he was always worried that he'd lose that fill-in gig on the weekends. And so mm-hmm. um, I mentioned to our assistant news director, um, you know, okay, well, I'll be at church, but if you need me for anything, you know, just um, give me a call. And he said, I didn't even know people went to church anymore. I don't know anyone who goes to church. <laughs> and then he had that's said, he had said about our weekend weatherman, because that's the same job that I did. He said, um, he said, yeah, you know what? He never does take a day off. And when we bury him on the top of his coffin, we're going to have the, the our station logo right on top of his coffin. In other words, like, yeah, I know I'm killing, in the same conversation, you know, I know we're killing the guy. I know we're overworking him. And I can't even believe mm. you go to church. Like, I don't know anybody who goes to church. It was just a surreal conversation, but very right. uh, fitting that's true. environment I worked in. Oh, and that's, that's, like I say, that's more more true today than it would have been 10 years ago. Well, I want to make sure, Tom, that people can find uh, the Tom Hudson yeah. under a book, Equipping Christians for Kingdom Purpose in their work, a guide for all who make disciples. Uh, what's the best way to find you and your book? Yeah, so a couple of options. Uh, if you want to hear kind of wh- what we're doing with the book, like we'll post uh, uh, this interview up, uh, you can go on Facebook to Vocational Discipleship. Uh, and that's where we just kind of post quotes in the book and so forth. But if you want to purchase the book, which, of course, we'd love you to do, pretty much anywhere books are sold. Uh, it's available on Amazon. It's available in Barnes & Noble, ChristianBooks.com, uh, The Hendricks and Rose. It's published by Tyndale, a division of, of Tyndale called Hendricks and Rose. 
So either on the Tyndale.com or HendricksandRose.com, or you can go to the bookstore you like to buy your books from and tell them to talk to their Tyndale rep uh, and that they ought to order some books for display called uh, Equipping Christians for Kingdom Purpose in Their Work. And if you're a Kindle person, I found it, uh, the Kindle yes, version is $11.99, which is a 40% savings for those of us who Precisely. like Kindle. Yeah, so. interesting, interestingly enough, the book was published in November. Um, November 15th was the publication date, so you could get it on Kindle at that point. Uh, but because of you've all heard of the supply chain issues, it came home. I, I, I experienced the supply chain issues because Tyndale, one of the biggest publishers in the country, couldn't get print, paper, and ink. Oh, wow. Uh, and so it didn't actually, they didn't have books in the bookstores on Amazon, et cetera, until April 15th, that is uh, just wild. because of that su- supply chain issue. Well, a real pleasure to have you on the uh, the program, uh, Tom Lutz, Equipping Christians for Kingdom Purpose in Their Work, a guide for all who make disciples. Thank you so much for joining us on The Good News. Thank you, Andy. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM670 KLTT. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.